0: Very welcome to the Women's Rugby part, episode 65, entitled, Here's to You, Mrs. Robinson. Yes, we've got Melody Robinson, the double World Cup winner, Black Fern, legendary commentator, and now involved in the uh, overall TV side for sports down in New Zealand. A fascinating lady. Uh, We've got her coming up on the pod very, very shortly. But I'm Johnny Hammond, alongside Rachel Burford, another World Cup winner. Just a plethora of them this morning on another lockdown day. Berth, how are you?
1: I'm not too bad, Johnny. It's a new week and I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this week. <laughs>
0: Knowing what I know, just getting an impression, quite happy to see the back end of last week. Um, the question on most people's lips is, 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 is how's Rolo?
1: Oh, she's doing all right. She's got a few stitches in. Um, but because of the type of wound, half it's left open, so I've got to keep a good close eye on it. Yeah, so she's in her little bodysuit, not happy that she can't run around in the snow like Mocha, and um, keeps giving me the eyes to be like, uh, you've forgotten to let me off the lead. Um, but no, she's all right. She's on the mend, thank you.
0: And what um, have you learned anything about the uh, the injury that you can use?
1: Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> who the vet... I've got to clean it with saline every day or twice a day. And then I've also got to put manuka honey on it twice a day.
0: Lovely. Straight from the toast.
1: When she said it, I was like, that must be like like a special pet one, not just like normal manuka honey. And no, it was. So, yeah, Rose get getting the very best treatment.
0: Nature provides. Is she licking the wound then once you put the honey on it, or do you then cover it up?
1: Yeah, no, then cover it up. She's got a little bodysuit, so she then can't reach it. But um, she was having a right old sniff and trying to um, get to it when I opened it up.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. How much of a sniff did you have Saturday in the game?
1: Yeah. Well, we had plenty of sniffs and plenty of opportunities. Um, but we just, we didn't execute. Like, the amount of opportunities that we created for ourselves, we just couldn't finish it. Um you know, fair play to to Exeter. They they brought everything, gave everything, and deserved to come out on top. Really.
0: So this is uh, Exeter's, yeah, unbelievable. We'll we'll get into it a, a little bit later on. But um, two weeks in a row, beat Saracens last week, beat Harlequins at the weekend, six points to seven. Just just an overall kind of kind of kind of point because we will touch on it uh, a little bit later in the show once we've uh, spoken to to Melody Robinson. Overall. From the outside, you say, "Oh, jeez, really?" Um, like we almost did with with Saracens last week. Again, one of those questions I probably know the answer. But how much effect it had on the on on the squad? Are you dealing with it very much? Uh, obviously, on the outside, as oh, it's just a blip. Is it going to have far more reaching consequences than that? Time no. will tell.
1: I think everybody's so disappointed and I think, you know, if we hadn't created any opportunities or played ourselves in opportunities to win that game, then I think you, we, will, we would be worried. But, you know, six times we got into their 22 and six times we didn't convert that into points. Now, that's very unlike us. So, I think, you know, in terms of being concerned and letting it over, um, continue into the week, we're team meeting last night and just you know it is what it is we didn't have our best game we had opportunities so our processes and what we're trying to do does work um and it's just a really good lesson like we would much rather have this lesson where we are now than later in the season and we just got to make sure and I know it's a cliche but we have to learn from it and we have to realize that you know Yeah, we had six opportunities, but the next game we might only have one and we have to execute on that. And I think everybody's taken responsibility and now we're we're not going to dwell on it and we move into a new week and look forward to to playing Loughborough.
0: Honestly, Ali Stokes would be delighted with that straight (laughs) bat. (laughs) PC answer. Um, Very, very good. Right, pop the Quinns hat off, cover up the Adidas. Um, (laughs) For the greater, wider view of the league actually this this is a team and i i mean god knows what they got down in the water down next men or women uh are drinking the stuff unbelievable journey that the men have been on it's a team that's barely made 20 games 15 games and uh, and yet they're turning over the, the 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 two teams that have been top of the league for you know basically since uh, since the premier 15 started for the league this is brilliant isn't it
1: Yeah, no, like from that point of view, it's it's brilliant not to have just, you know, we said it, where it's like, it's good not to just have that kind of one game. And and that has changed this year, to be fair, not just Exeter, but, you know, to just, instead of just having that one game where you're like, oh, we've got Sarah's this weekend, we know it's going to be a big game. Like that's happening week in, week out, and it's exactly what you need. And I think the other side of it as well is the fact that, you know, Exeter's come in. What's that saying to the club as a whole, to the owners, to the guys who are investing in the game, who've, who have backed Exeter this year to be part of the Allianz Premier 15? You know That's a massive statement and it's so good for the game because now what that does, it makes other clubs look in and think, oh, what if we invest? What if we do that? We could get the similar sort of results. And, and I think you know they have been on this kind of journey right from the start and I think they're in a really fortunate position. They've got so many talented players um, from around the world into the squad and you know I think the opportunity that they get to train so much together you know is now reflecting on what they can do on the pitch and yeah obviously you know we want I, as a Harlequin I want to beat them but you know for in terms of the league it's really good to see another side pushing the top two um, and you know to see that it wasn't a one-off for them they will be really really delighted for that and you know it just makes the league even more exciting who's going to finish in that top four
0: Yeah I couldn't couldn't agree more. We've said it about Loughborough and, and what are the sort of obvious ones. Gloucester-Hartby on the day can, can really, really push sides. But, it, yeah, in terms of the league and the attractiveness of the league being a, a, a real competition, fighting for those those top four, as you say, it's uh, it's a really cracking cracking result. And also, I just wanted to just say, for possibly th- those who don't know, yeah, extra chiefs, uh, the men's side, which is, we'll talk about that because that's how um, they've come to to fruition in in the Premiership and and in Europe, European ch- champions, of course, uh, English champions as well. But they do it right. They had a stadium, not all seats around it, and then in time they built and they built and they used their comforting really well and they've got a connection with the gym and then they got the the three G. They just do it right and it's no surprise that the only male club um, that actually is profitable as a business or can turn over as a business is Extra Chiefs. And the reason I'm saying that is because they've just translated that completely to the women's side. They're doing it properly, getting the right people in. There's a huge amount of support we're hearing from Amy Garnett last week. We've heard from Susie. The men's coaches helping out the women. It's it's all one big club. And lots of clubs say that, but actually we're realising, obviously with the results... That that's absolutely true of Exeter, and and, and you believe it with the, with the people involved at the very top. Whether it be Tony Rowe or Rob Baxter and Susie Appleby, now um, hugely impressed by what they're doing, and um, yeah, hugely excited to see what they will do for the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll bring you all the news from the uh, rest of the Alliance Premier Fifteens games. Plus, there's plenty of news around the Six Nations and other European countries as well, and leagues starting up. We will get to all of the news from the overworld. After, we have our very special guest on today, Melody Robinson, a double World Cup winner with the Blackbirds winning 18 caps. She then moved into commentary, uh, reporting and presenting. One of the first females, if not the first female to to do that for World Rugby and for Sky NZ down in New Zealand. Now working for TVNZ, heading up their sports. So uh, a lady who has smashed lots of glass ceilings. We have plenty of those. On the pod, don't we, uh, Melanie? It's utterly engaging in character, uh, and I caught up with her a little bit earlier on.
2: I'm Sue Day, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod.
0: Thank you so much for joining us so late in the day. There, real treat to have you on the pod.
2: All good, um, you know, we're still out and about in the sunshine uh, down here in New Zealand, so nine o'clock's not too bad, the sun's just gone down.
0: Oh Mel, that's a really poor way to start, because us here in England, we are locked in, <laughs> we can't go more than three and a half metres away from our own house, um, <laughs> and there's you lot over there, but no, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a weird and wonderful time, but you guys are kind of sort of back up to normal, aren't you really?
2: Yeah, we we have been since pretty much, um, I'd say, August last year. Uh, We had um, another mini lockdown in Auckland uh, since then. But uh, no, I mean, I guess that's the benefit of having, I guess, a a government which is led by some uh, reasonably strong leaders and also being isolated in uh, the southern hemisphere means we can pretty much close our borders, which... You know, it goes actually against probably um, what New Zealand wants to do because a lot of our economy uh, rests on tourism and also uh, exports and imports. So um, it's been pretty hard in in that respect. But at the same time, Kiwis have been out playing sports. Our kids are there enjoying it. And most importantly, we've had uh, rugby and a whole lot of other sports, America's Cup and cricket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us nicely on just to the ski sock-like seamless transition into... What you're, what you're doing now. For, the, for those who don't know, what are you involved with now, Mel?
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm now TVNZ, which is the national broadcaster in New Zealand, so I'm general manager of sports and events there, which is uh, pretty much my dream job. I used to work for Sky TV uh, as a commentator and I guess a light producer at the same time, but I worked for World Rugby too. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a fantastic job. We've got cricket, uh, we've got America's Cup, which we're broadcasting at the moment. We did Rugby World Cup with Spark Sport uh, last year. Uh, yeah, so we we're doing as much sport as we possibly can on a free-to-air platform like the BBC. I guess.
0: Very good analogy. Yeah, yeah. So on a sort of day-to-day, week-to-week, what exactly does that does that involve? You're overseeing the entirety of the productions.
2: Yeah, um, so I'm, I, well, they call me the business owner of all of the sports and events, which means um, I will uh, get the teams together who will run, for instance, um, a broadcast. Um, and I will lead the editorial or the strategy around that stuff. Um, be over the top of all the talent and commentators uh, that are hired for that and work with the rest of the pretty amazing team at TVNZ which includes marketing, commercial um, just to make sure that we've got everything just right and then I deal with all the relationships with the sports bodies uh, and our other partnerships that we have with Spark Sport and also Sky TV as well so it's busy, I've got no spare time and um, yeah, my whole life is sports
0: (laughs) But you like it that way, don't you?
2: I love it. It's it's awesome. It's really good. I,
0: I would never have it any other way to be honest. It's it's really, really cool. Um, Mel, I wanted to, to, to sort of just, just reel back because it's it's a it's it's an unbelievable journey to as you say to, to your dream job. But just yeah, having having known you a little while and, and, and chatted and what have you, you unbelievable energy. But you seem to have just gone from dream job to dream job to dream job to dream job. So whether it be black ferns, um 920 caps there, a couple of World Cups. Do, do do you remember that time very, very fondly? And do you remember your first cap and that kind of stuff?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember my first cap. And just, I just want to point out here that I might have done things which look like dream jobs, but Jesus has been... Um, some real challenges along the way i have to say it has been not easy um but my first cat for the black ferns 1996 my um my grandfather we call uh him my power in um maori taro language and my dad came along to sydney to watch my debut and we were playing uh, the australians and the thing i remember about that was a i'm go crazy um before a game so no one wants to be around me because i'm not serious i don't go quiet i go the opposite and then b i think i was kind of in shock during the match and then c i punched um and i know this is terrible and i don't at all condone violence but i did punch the number eight from uh the australian team her name was the beast and they were going, beast, 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 like this the whole time. And she cheated in the line out, so I turned around and punched her. And I knocked her out, and she got stretched off. And my dad and my granddad were so proud of me. And that was my first debut <laughs> with the Blackfruits. And we, of course, won.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. What a great story. Not so much a beast, more of a mouse now. Yeah. Um... No, no, I, 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 absolutely! What a what, what a great memory. So you say you go crazy for a game. What, what what exactly? I've not certainly not heard this one. What exactly would you do before a game then?
2: Okay, well, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know Andrew Mertens. Um, him and I are both from Christchurch, and we're great mates, and we have a lot in common. Uh, and we uh, both like to take the Mickey a lot, and I think we're very similar in our pre match um, <laughs> preparations. Where uh, we would play jokes. We would make um, be humorous about everything. We'd be in people's face. would be high energy. Um, you know, it was terrible, and I don't think it would have been really good on my teammates. And even you know, oh, no, it was just terrible. But I'm quite embarrassed as an older person now to look back on how I used to react to stress. Luckily, I've I've doled that back slightly, so I'm not not as beset in the in the old corporate world.
0: <laughs> so you're not in the back of the gallery, going off your head in TV land now. No, <laughs>
2: not
0: anymore. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, look, I'm f- fully aware of the um, yeah few, few challenges and stuff that 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 you've had to to encounter. I wanted to sort of get into a little bit of those, and therefore it's even more remarkable that you you have managed to still still do your your you know stick to your passions and your and your dream jobs what, what all the way back then in night was a 96 debut around then um yeah what what were That's the ma- <laughs> i I did look up your date of birth i have to say yeah um <laughs> um you're looking very well on it what um what, what were the challenges back then mel that, that, that the female players just just don't see nowadays
2: Look, it was uh, it, the the challenge was um, a societal one of accepting women playing sport generally. So you can imagine um, then females wanting to play rugby, which you know was absolutely a, a male. Um, sport and very aggressive uh, and not popular at all with the majority of females as well. So you didn't just get criticised by, um, I guess, the normal lot of people who are playing rugby. You also got criticised by females as well. And I can remember even my mum's just being pretty <laughs> resistant to me playing women's rugby And there are a lot of um, insults and connotations and stereotypes that came uh, with females playing rugby back in the day. But, um, you know what, Uh, we discovered then, as I know that women's rugby players know now, that when you play a sport like rugby um, with a massive team, 15 on the field and then then the largest squad with you, is that when you put your body on the line and – you'll spill blood for the people next to you it is an incredible experience and and bonds you to those people who are on the field with you and the friendships that you develop and I know you know there are plenty plenty of um, men who have played rugby over the years they know this stuff but for women starting out back in 96 and through to the through to the days now that that experience is still something really unique to a sport like rugby union and also rugby league, I would say too, um, but the sports where you're physically putting yourself on the line for your teammates. So it's a special sport. I still love it and passionate about it. And I'm, I'm just so proud that um, we stood up to, I guess the majority of society back in the day who didn't really think that we should be playing.
0: You uh, preempted, almost preempted my, 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 my next question there in the, in the fact that back then, did you realise that you were paving the way? I mean, looking back now, you, you realise that you, you were almost, almost trailblazers and, and standing up to, as you say, cultural and, and societal things that, that said Ooh, women can't play rugby. And do you know, what, geez, there, there's still um, very, very small minded people living in caves who, who have access to Twitter who still voice these kind of opinions nowadays. But were you aware at the time that you were you were trailblazing?
2: Uh, Yes, because we had some incredible uh, coaches and leaders who were there to show us how hard they fought and who were very vocal about it and installed in us the fight and the awareness of what we were doing. Um, The first was Sugan Baship, uh, who... Ended up marrying Stephen Bishop, and they've got a couple of uh, fantastic uh, athletes with their kids now. Um, Jackson ba- uh, Bishop, for instance, who a Hurricanes player, that kind of thing. Well, Sue was actually, I think, a far better athlete than Stephen Bishop, even though I'd never say that to his face. She was fast. <laughs> she played professional basketball in London. She was New Zealand touch wreck. She was on the wing of the Black Ferns, and she was a feisty tiny pocket rocket that ended up going to the Otago Rugby Union, fighting at a big board meeting to get our sponsorship to finally get to a North Island tour. And that fight that she showed, the fact that she coached us with Jackson, huge in her belly, and then him as a newborn with us on tour, that was a key moment for us to say, "Geez, you know, this is really different. Um, Then we had a a former All Black called George Scudder who at New Zealand Rugby Union uh, fought for us, uh, you know, a very well-known uh, Maori or black as well as all black who who looked at the, I guess, a mix of people in our team and saw that it was empowering this this group of, um, you know, Maori, Pacific Island predominantly, and also um, just normal Kiwi chicks from provincial towns as well and, and really um, put his name on the line. And what he actually did was spend a whole lot of money um, from the New Zealand uh, rugby budget, and they didn't know that it was actually getting spent on us. So he got told off at the end of the year. All good. We were happy with that one. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, her off race. And then Dave uh, Daryl Sousa, who was our main coach, uh, he often spoke about what we were doing, how we were setting an example, and how it would change hopefully the pathway for woman down the line and it took 20 or so years but it certainly has had um its effect that incredible standard that that he set up in that 96 through to 98 and 2002 um of beautiful rugby from a bunch of girls who were amateurs but came from a whole lot of different sports and played lovely rugby
0: 20 years on just over 20 years on From how hard you fought and and, and the basis that you gave women's rugby in New Zealand, has it come on as much as it should have done, Mel? Uh,
2: No, no. It was slow, very slow. Um, It frustrating and lots of backward steps um, and not a lot of support in provincial unions, I would say. But... It's a funny old thing because I think that the success rate of the black ferns and the product that they play and then the growth of women's rugby and the fact that the numbers kept accelerating, really um, New Zealand rugby couldn't turn a blind eye to that. And most significantly was probably the Olympic movement and bringing sevens, both women's and men's, into the picture uh, really meant that New Zealand Rugby Union had to pick up and say, right, to get this money from uh, Sporting Z, from the high-performance unit, we need to make sure that we've got um, money funneling into the women's. We need to do the development. They did a Go 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 for Gold program where they found a whole lot of athletes, brought in some of the girls that were already playing, um, and that was the the massive um, fire starter to, I guess, the movement. So, no, it was slow, and there's still a lot of improvement to make, particularly at women's national provincial level in New Zealand. I think um, it's still poor there. I think New Zealand rugby puts in um, effort to make sure the competition is running, but um, we could still have more investment there. And at the end of the day, the amount of money that goes into women's rugby, if you look at percentages um of spend and investment compared to now player numbers it's not actually equitable and it's um it doesn't really compare to the number of women's rugby players so still work to be done but johnny we will always be patient we'll always work proactively where we can because that's the only way you can influence right you can't go in there (laughs) and um you know, throw stuff on the ground and and get mad and and just demand. You've just got to work. And it is a slow process, but it's all good. We're getting there.
0: We are getting there, absolutely. Oh, I, I just want to move on then. If you've got frustrations with how slowly it was moving on the field, do you then move fairly seamlessly from, from playing into 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 commentary?
2: Well, um, I think commentary, again, it's, look, it's taken a while. What I would say is the change in commentary has come from one or two women being involved in doing a good job in a lot of different sports, cricket, rugby, um, and others over the globe. A lot of uh, we see baseball, uh, NFL. Um, so it started from that. And then for rugby in particular, I would give a lot of credit to World Rugby, the Seven Circuit, and particularly uh, their executive producer of rugby, Steve Jamison. He was a Kiwi. I'm not doing that because he is a Kiwi, but uh, he did <laughs> have...
0: Good old, <did> have... <laughs> Good old Yeah, I know, sorry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, you know, he had a vision about um, bringing female commentators through the Seventh Circuit, and he has done an excellent job, and he was a lot more forward uh, than any other broadcaster in the world in, in doing that. Um, Sky TV in New Zealand has been particularly good in the last three years. You know, there's around 30-ish, even more than that, of women in commentary um, and also presenting on sports like League, Rugby Union Cricket, uh, and now Spark Sport New Zealand is also following suit there. They've got three excellent female cricket commentators this season. Uh, So I think um, you can give the credit, Two world rugby in that respect for that sevens again that sevens circuit the Olympic movement has been a, a massive um, help to what we've always wanted to see with commentators players professionalism and broadcast
0: opportunities. But Mel, I, I, I've i experienced it in a very very small way because I, I was quite young when I first sort of started to talk rubbish over over rugby um, and 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 that those sort of challenges and oh really Did a, what what. Personally, with it, with the challenges for for you, do you remember? Do you remember the nerves? Did you feel a part of it? Did you not feel a part of it? How long did it take to be accepted? Because it is an incredibly male dominated banter type way. And uh, you know, knowing you, I, I know you are more than happy with the banter and what have you, and and being immersed in rugby all your life. But how, how difficult was it? What were the main challenges moving into that world?
2: Look, it was it was awful, really. I um, went and probably with a naive um, sort of innocent point of view where I thought, wow, this is amazing. I've got an opportunity. I had two bosses who had come in and really backed me, um, but uh, key members of the crew and the commentary team didn't want me there. But by the way, that wasn't a gender thing. It was actually if someone new was coming into a commentary team, they still had to prove themselves. However, I had to prove myself. Three times over. Um, I is that the gender thing, Mel? Time with a sorry, Johnny.
0: Sorry, so I sorry to to buddy. To is that the gender thing then, having to prove yourself three times over?
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look. So many times I've seen this. A female walks into the office, walks out of the office. She's looking for a job the boys in the office say, Oh, what does she know? Young man walks in, that question is never asked. There's really small example of conscious or non-conscious bias when it comes to females in sport. Um, and you can have you can have played tests, you can have won World Cups as a women's rugby player, but you still have to prove yourself on air and you will get criticised. Whereas more than likely uh, a former all black who's paid similar Tess or won less World Cups than you um, will not get criticised until he really stuffs up so they're the kind of things that you really work hard against and in my time I knew Super Sport didn't want me because I was on Super Rugby so I was going to be across South Africa Australia New Zealand I know Fox Sport were very um, resistant to it but I remember when I started it was 2002 I mean that's a long time ago that was ballsy of Sky TV to even put me on here Um and it ended up that, yes, I had to work hard. I ended up doing presenting for a long time. So I got taken out of the commentary. And then I, it took a long time for me to get back into commentary. And, um, you know, that was just the way it is. Actually, uh, Johnny, you would have seen some of the tweets that Maggie Alfonsi's put out lately um, that she's been, you know, I guess, criticised, particularly on Twitter, which is um, a platform where people really express their views without really thinking of the consequences of saying pretty cool things. Um, so yes, there is bias and yes, that's what she's experiencing. But what I would say from my experience is that if you're good at commentary, if you're a woman and you're good, after a couple of years, people will forget that you're a female, they'll accept you and they will rate you just the same way as the men. And that is what happened to me, luckily, Um you know, I, I I love rugby. I think I've got a um, an analytical brain that comes to it. and I, I worked really hard, um, and most importantly, I have a broadcasting background, so that helped too. So for people like Maggie, stick at it, um, you know, in a if you find your feet, and it takes quite a long time, as you know, um, to actually you know really find your feet as a broadcaster. But I hope people are patient and, and give people like Maggie, um, a chance.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think apart from anything, I think. TV producers don't uh, don't do it on a on a, on a male female thing. If you're good enough, then mm-hmm. then, then you put it in there. And I think um, it's exactly the same with yourself. You you were good enough to do it with your journalism background and and, and the degree and what have you. Oh look. I, I could talk to you for ages, Mel, as per normal. Um, it's like, like we're at that, um, that, that bar in Dubai, having a, a couple of drinks and chewing the fat. But I, just, um, I don't remember anything. No,
2: no, no, indeed.
0: No, you, you don't. Um, <laughs> um, just one last question, because I, I'm very conscious it's late and you've got a very proper, proper job to get to in the morning. The World Cup this year, how massive is it going to be? How exciting? How's it all gearing up?
2: Well, the first thing is uh, we find out this week in New Zealand um, how much money the government will contribute to the extra costs that come from uh, New Zealand's uh, MIQ, which is our isolation um, uh, facilities and process that we have here. So everybody has to isolate for two weeks. And when it comes to bringing in a huge number of teams into a world tournament or competition like this, there's a massive cost. So first and foremost... Government needs to say how much money they're putting in. New Zealand Rugby needs to say how much money we're putting in, and they're putting in, and then obviously uh, the big decision, um, just to confirm everything, comes at Rugby World Cup Limited Board meeting round about March. So that's the the first. But um, from a personal point of view, from a players' um, point of view, um, and from an opportunity point of view, this is this is going to be an incredible tournament. I think um, You know, New Zealand is a, a place where we've seen big sports events happening. There's no reason this can't happen um, in a fantastic way. Um, probably we won't have the fans that you would expect, although if there was that Trans-Tasman window open in Australia, there might be an opportunity to come through that way. Uh, but the product's still going to be great. Um, And I know that the New Zealand public's going to get behind this big time because they've been swarming down to all the other sports events. They'll do the same with us. So it's going to be great. The venues are interesting. They are, two of them are boutique facilities. The other, of course, Eden Park. So you're going to get um, a mixture of different experiences watching it there. And I'm sure that New Zealand will bring in a bit of the um, tikanga Māori as well, which includes haka, a lot of our local artists, um, And you'll see a lot of fun and entertainment around the product too. So, yeah, expect a a World Cup that is different and just as good. In fact, I'd say better than a men's World Cup.
0: You do surprise (laughs) us with that view. You do surprise (laughs) us. Mel, well, I know it's, it's, been a, it's been a whistle-stop tour and we, we've jumped around the place, but um, that's the nature of these, these, these podcasts. Um, really, really appreciate your, your, your time this morning. I know people will very much look forward to, to listening to you because um, when you speak, people stop and, and stop and listen and it's, it's been the way for, for many, many years. So thank you very much for, for smashing doors down for lots and lots of different people over the years and continue to do so. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, that's very
2: kind. Thank you, Johnny
0: such an effervescent character birth lady with incredible energy and a very very determined lady as well we, we heard there that refused to give away you know, her dreams what she wanted to do whatever challenges were facing her within society within uh culturally whether in the, the business world gender oppositions all the rest of it um You've come across her no doubt in, in, in your time playing and off the field as well. She's she's quite some force of nature.
1: Yeah, she is. I think you know, you've you already talked about her playing side of things and, and what she's using is all that experience and all those times to to now put it into the game in a different way and, and to to challenge things and, and to progress the game as a whole. Um, I'm hoping you're gonna be working a little bit closely with her now and as she's part of the world rugby um, world cup board um, and working with international players so keeping a good link there about you know, moving forward there she's yeah she's you know a voice of reason and she's got so much experience that she can definitely you know look to make change within the game
0: it's great fun on a night out as well
2: <laughs>
0: great fun good stuff let's get to uh, some of the rest of the news coming at you from the world of rugby
2: and you are listening to the women's rugby pod
0: within the week since we last coming at you from the women's rugby pod it's confirmation of the new format of the women's six nations two pools england italy and scotland the other pool being france ireland and wales one home game one away and then a finals day round one on the third fourth of april sees england take on scotland France host Wales round two on the tenth eleventh of April. Uh, England go off to Italy. Wales are hosting Ireland and round three, the following weekend, seventeenth eighteenth of April. Italy travel to Scotland while Ireland host France. Finals weekend, twenty fourth twenty fifth of April, will be first against first in the pool, second against second, third against third. You get the idea. Uh, Bert, did you want to get your reaction off the back of that? Yes, games are going ahead, but it's two less games at the moment for these teams. Is this a chance to, I mean, look, we are restricted by, by COVID and what have you, so to, to get the women's game and the women's Six Nations on is is, is brilliant. Is this a possibly a, an insight into what this looks like in the future and potentially open up those pools to, to more teams? Or do you think, going back to the the old format, as it were, where people are actually playing playing more games is important
1: um I think playing more games is definitely important, and playing you know a variety of different teams um I'd like to see the current Six Nations format return, and I think like this is a really good initiative to get these games up and running, you know limit some of the travel um and still have a really strong competition and and look where the competition is right now, this is kind of. The, the way that some people want to see it, they want to see the England be France in the fire in a final or at the end of the tournament where it kind of maximizes the potential of getting people in, getting all the excitement around it. So I think the job that they've done now is really, really good. And it's, you know, they put it in a window where it doesn't really, um, you know, conflict with domestic rugby. So it allows what domestic rugby is going on to continue and, um, But yeah, I think it's exciting. But I do, I would want to see the old format in terms of playing each team in each round. Do or should the women's game bring in some form of um, relegation in terms of allowing then opportunity for you know a Spain or a Netherlands or you know that that nation who is at the moment there's no opportunity for them to ever progress into to, to the tournament. So. Yeah, that's maybe something that I would love to see is that giving those teams that, that are currently on the outside of Six Nations the opportunity. Because that also makes the union want to buy in. It gives them aspirations to be all right, we can be a part of that big huge tournament that everybody knows about, everyone talks about, you know, the the opportunity to develop as a team and as players, we want to be a part of that. So then you get more investment potentially from the unions into those teams.
0: Yeah, and for me, a proper established B6 Nations. I know some format it's run in the men's, it's run as well. But actually, that being part of the whole Six Nations process. So you've got the likes of the Netherlands, Russia, Sweden, as you say, Spain very much, um, who who were part of the original um, Six Nations format, when they were Five Nations format. Actually, getting that as a proper competition, we we talk about not following the men's game. Let's not follow it. Let's just do it better and have that as an established tournament. As you say, there's plenty of buying commercially and from unions and players and all the rest of it. So um, there you go. Just solved everything. Brilliant. Well done. (laughs) Down in Africa, some good news coming.
1: Yeah, some great news coming up from Kenya. The Lionesses have received timely funds ahead of the Madrid Sevens and the Olympics Games. Also staying in Africa, Rugby Africa has announced that the Rugby Africa Women's Cup will take place in July and that Africa Women's Sevens will begin in August and run through to
2: September.
0: You're talking about those Madrid Sevens. They're scheduled for the last two weekends in February in Spain, but we're still waiting for confirmation of attending teams. Thank you to YSC for the information. France's Elite 1 got a game away at the weekend. Lyon losing to Blagnac 15 points to 67 on Sunday. The rest of the uh, Elite 1 league recommences on the 21st of February. But as it stands in Pool 1, Montpellier lead the way. Stade Toulousien in Pool 2, Pool 3, Blagnac with that win taking them up to 25 points, lead Pool 3. And in Pool 4... ASM, Rougemont Rugby Feminine, head up that pool. That's uh, basically Clément in pool four.
1: And final dates for the Women's Rugby Europe Championship has been announced. Spain versus Russia on the 20th of Feb and Spain versus the Netherlands on the 27th of February.
0: Indeedy so. The Division d'Honneur in Spain also got a game away at the weekend. Les Alpes went down 18 points to 41 Independente Rugby No change to the top of the table where Valdolid still lead the way over in Spain Domestically then birth. A few bits to bring you from the English league the Allens Premier 15s
1: Yep, DMP have released some new news about their coaches Rob Vickers now joins the team an ex-Newcastle player comes in as Sharks performance manager and he brings with him Jake Rogers as an assistant coach one of the key roles of from the former England Saxons is managing the relationships with Durham University. They will also now play the rest of their remaining fixtures at Durham Uni Sports and Wellbeing Park.
0: You felt something kind of needed to to change at DMP, and, and Rob Vickers, very immersed in that area um, geographically, uh, been in Newcastle for a long time, been. Working at Durham University, as has uh, uh, has Jake. So yeah, congratulations to to them both. you just needed feel, just needed a bit extra help, and, and hopefully this will be it for for DMP.
1: Yeah, I think the results just didn't seem to be, haven't seemed to be improving, and the staggering number in terms of scoreline in the results table is you know it is disappointing they obviously had a journey that they were kind of trying to build on but I think you know things like you're starting to see this more happen happen more in rugby now you know a little bit like how football is when things aren't working it's it's not just oh we're staying it and we'll see what, where we come from you know there's a lot of money being invested in the Alliance Premier 15 there's a lot of money going into teams and clubs and and results do matter Um so yeah you know I, did I see it come in? Probably not mid-season, um, but,
0: you know, why Why not, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, they do have the cushion. This is uh, first year of uh, three years without relegation uh, from the Premier 15. So, yes, we wish DMP, Durham Sharks, uh, Rob and Jake all the, all the very best linking up with uh, the rest of the uh, the management team. It's 1-0 two Saracens over Harlequins this season. As Harlequins deemed to have breached the agreed minimum operating standards. Basically, uh, didn't video outdoor contact sessions, apparently. Uh, the committee considered the facts from the investigation, representations from the club, relevant relegations, and supporting documents, and concluded that the match will be cancelled and the result deemed a win by Saracens, uh, with five league points allocated to the champions after Harlequins player tested positive for COVID and 28 players then had to self-isolate. Uh, that is subject to appeal, which is why you can't comment.
1: And staying with Allianz Premier 15, rounds 11 through to 18, plus the semi-final and final have all been announced.
0: Indeed, so the semi-finals, the weekend on the 28th of May with a final week later on the 29th of May. The final league game. Or final league round. Round 18. Earlier in the month of May. On the that weekend of the 8th. So looking back at last weekend's results. From the Alliots Premier 15s. Another good win for Was. 40 points to 3 over Worcester. Are we expecting more from Worcester? Or what's that good?
1: I think we were expecting more for Worcester and having played Worcester and they had some pretty big names back as well, um, I was expecting more from Worcester. I don't know if it's that, you know, first game out of the blocks, um, potentially, you know, we felt a bit like that at the weekend as well. But, look, Worcester have got some very dangerous players Um and Worcester is a young side and maybe, you know, they sat off and allowed them to play a little bit too much. And But yeah, I think, you know, with the coaches that they've got within the club, the infrastructure they've got in place, some of the key players they've got, we probably do expect um, more from them in, in terms of seeing a result. Like, I can't comment on the game. You know, results always say one thing, but watching the game, it can say something, suggest something else. But yeah, I think we both were, were on the thought that that was going to be quite a tight one.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Gloucester Harbury went up to Sale and grabbed a twenty-six points to seven victory as predicted by yourself. Oh
2: did I? I thought I said sale.
0: Did you?
1: I think so. I can't remember. No, I said I said Gloucester, I said Gloucester. I think this is a really important win for Gloucester because they've been there or thereabouts with their results. Um and you can see that they're again they're a young side. It's you know they're part of the Gloucester Uni, they're part of the college, so they've got a lot of young players in there. And I think you know over time, you're we're now seeing you know that side come together, and I think that's a really good result. And I, I know Mo will be absolutely buzzing about it.
0: She will indeed. Uh, her good jump, Emily Scarrett. Many happy returns for yesterday, Emily Scarrett. Uh, Loughborough. Forty-two, sorry, loveborough Lightning forty-two, Bristol fourteen in the post Kim Oliver era nowadays. One other thing to note for for yeah loveborough Lightning is Cath uh, O'Donnell back in the uh, back in the mix as well. Really good to see her back, but uh, yeah, a, a result we possibly both expected. Yeah, so I
1: think when you know Bristol took on Exeter the. And a bit like when we played against Bristol, their tries are completely you know opportunist moments, um, as opposed to really creating something and um, getting themselves into a position where they can really challenge teams. I think they capitalise on, on other teams' mistakes, and yeah, so I think we we expected to see that result. I mean, Loughborough have a class of players across the board. Um, and again, it's a little bit like the Gloucester. It's like waiting for them to piece things together. And I think you know, you know by the looks of that, that result, forty-two points, you know, things are starting to click for them.
0: Yeah, don't have to probably get it together till May though. I know that's... So uh, yeah, Reese Edwards is is of that uh, school of thought, building slowly through through the season. But they'll be they'll be pleased with that result. As will Sausen's bouncing back from that to, to defeat to Exeter last week. Seventy-three points they put on up at uh, DMP. Uh, a, a result, yeah, we feared for DMP, and uh, it's come to fruition.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. You know, any time that you lose, when what you want to try and do, is get everything right, and perform at your best, the following week, um, and that, like, that's decent for Saracens, considering, you know, it was a way trip again, you know, to, you know, when you when you travel far, it, it's your whole weekend, it, it takes it out of you, and so, they'll be really pleased to, and you know, a couple of their players, are back as well, playing, trying out different combinations. So
0: they'd be really pleased with that result. They, they will. Well, let's dig a, a touch deeper then. Uh, X is the seven, Harlequins six. Where was the game won and lost, Berth?
1: Um, there's a couple of areas, to be honest. We... That's a
0: massive sigh. <laughs> there's frustration well, in that <laughs> sigh. There's real frustration in that sigh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, 100% it is because look, we didn't manage the game very well at times, which just allowed them to keep momentum. And, you know, there was a couple of critical moments, you know, right just before halftime, we had like three chances to score and we didn't. And and that literally gives the opposition so much energy, so much energy. And then they go in, they've got a breather, you know, the, they've just kept us out three times on their try line. And I think, you know, that is literally what happened with our game. We had six opportunities to win. So, sorry, not win, six opportunities to, to convert into points, whether that was tries or take um, three points. And, and we didn't do it. We didn't execute. And it's really unlike our fours not to execute some of their set piece and the pick and go game. Um, and yeah, we were missing a couple of players, but you know, you can't, you can't fault the desire and the work rate that Exeter had. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes you, you think things are going to happen on the pitch and unless you give it 110%, they don't happen. And, yeah, so I think it's a mixture of lots of different things. And, you know, it's definitely something that we we looked into, the leadership group looked into. And, you know, we've come away with some really important things to, to focus in this week. But, like, a huge fair play to, to Exeter. I mean, yeah, Susie Aqui and Amy Garnet have done wonders with that side and I am really pleased that they're going strong. Um, but, yeah, we are still disappointed at that result.
0: Love it. you throwing the forwards under the bus.
1: <laughs> Look, our forwards are unbelievable and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work and and us backs didn't step up to, to make it work in a different way. And that's what we've got to get better at.
0: OK, well then, you've got to put it right this weekend. You are at home to Loughborough. Oof, it's going to easier, does it?
1: Mm, no, but then, you know, the league isn't anymore. There isn't, you know, a week weekend off. Um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to just getting back out there and, and trying to right some wrongs from the weekend. We know that Loughborough are an ever-improving side. We know what they did to us when we played against them last time. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a real tough battle. But, yeah, like, we just want to take it head on and and hopefully, you know, we want to come out on top. Home win, then? Of course. Going for a home win.
0: Like you said, for Exeter Quins last week. Excellent. Uh, DMP hosting Wasps.
1: Yeah, I know know they've had some changes in, but it's quite difficult to make changes happen in, in a week. I think they need to maybe look at some other options in terms of their player depth. Because they've got some young talent there, but you know, unfortunately, this league is becoming tougher and tougher with the amount of international standard and the high domestic um, league players that are in it. That you know, I think they're going to have to go looking for some potential other players to be involved in that side.
0: Yeah, rather like um, Sale have done, who who travelled to, to to Bristol this weekend. Yeah, Katie Danny McLean, one of if not the best known position in the world, build that squad around and use all that experience. It attracts other players. It attracts commercial. It, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's such a savvy move from them. You just feel DMP needs to do something like that.
1: Yeah, they just need a couple of, you know, key players that get that moving. And, and kind of like you said, you know, when one player goes, another player then looks in, and then, and then you start building a sp- spine of, you know, strong leaders in in critical positions that then can orchestrate games and and manage games better. And I just think they they need a couple of those players in that side. Um, And arguably, you know, Tamara Taylor was one of those. And so I think they just need to maybe consider looking at, and, you know, with the experience that Rob Vickers has, I'm sure he'll be looking at that.
0: Yeah. So then who's going to win um, Sale Bristol? Sorry, Bristol Sale.
1: Ooh, yeah! this is a hard one. I probably expected more from that Sale-Gloucester-Harbury game from Sale. So I'm going to back Sale that they're going to turn it around this weekend.
0: Sale win on the road at Bristol. Sarri's hosting Gloucester-Harbury. Fascinating game, this one.
1: Yeah, this will be. um, You know, as you can see, the result from Gloucester last weekend, they're going to be feeling pretty confident about their, their performance and they know how to rattle Saracens. They've had a good history of pushing the, the, the side. So, yeah, it be an interesting one, but I think Saracens would have learnt over the last couple of weeks um, how they need to get started out of the blocks early on, and especially against a side like Gloucester that can can really rattle teams. But I do think Saracens will still come out on top.
0: And the final game of the weekend, Worcester hosting, yeah. You know, The league's best team in the minute, Exeter.
1: Yeah, you know, having played both of the sides, I would definitely think that Worcester is going to struggle to beat Exeter at the weekend. I really hope we see an improved performance from Worcester and and to push the the side close. You know, Exeter don't do anything glamorous, (laughs) um, but they do the nitty-gritty really, really well, and that keeps them in games and helps them win the games. So I think Exeter will take that.
0: I'm Rachel Taylor, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. About it for another week, then berth. A couple of shout-outs, though, must just finish up with. Old Bristolians RFC, both men and women have reached Rome in a frenetic final day, which saw both teams duelling and going that extra mile to be the first to cross the finishing line. But who, do I hear you cry, got there first with a late virage uh, it was more Italian job than gladiator. The lads just picked the ladies over finishing the line, taking this top spot for stage one. What on earth are you talking about, Johnny? Well, they're cycling, running, doing all those kind of things uh, around the Six Nations team. So, yeah, big up to old Bristolians RFC.
1: And Staines Women RFC, in the memory of late Sir Captain Tom, they're aiming to walk 1,000 miles supporting their teammates in a charity event for the Royal British Legion.
0: And from Cheltenham Tigers, congratulations to Shelley. She ran her 50 miles in January challenge, raising 450 for Maggie's cancer care.
1: And a really impressive article in the, tel- in the Telegraph. England's Meg Joes and Celia Quonsa open up about the challenge of being gay and playing sport.
0: Yeah, fascinating read that one. If you haven't already, then, then, then do pick that up. It's just continuing to talk about stuff in the women's game. It's just becoming more and more common practice, um, as it should be. I mean, it should be there already, already but it's, it's not. But articles like that uh, are certainly helping that kind of stuff. It's becoming more of the uh, the, the normal chat within the media, which is, uh, is a great thing. And, yeah, fair play to you, Meg and Celia. Uh, as ever, Burf, everyone should get in touch. And I know we say it every week, but... We haven't got many ratings considering the amount of people that listen to, to the pod. So if you haven't rated the pod, please just pop in on the uh, on Apple Music and, and just give it a, a rating. Obviously, preferably five stars. But, but if you haven't, just take a couple of seconds to do that for us. It, it means a huge amount this end. And, and share with your friends. Um, we'll be coming at you next week from South Africa, we're hoping, to have a Springbok guest next week. So, yeah, we'll continue to bring you news from around the world, as we always do. Where can people get in touch and let us know what, uh, what they're up to, Berth?
1: So, really simply on Twitter, Instagram, at Pod Women's Rugby, drop us a note. Let us know what you're doing. We'll give you a shout-out. Any challenges you're getting up to, how you're getting through lockdown. I mean, we've all got a bit of spare time on our hands. Please, please, please just go and give us a rating leave a review if you've got even extra time just really makes it well worthwhile for us on this side to keep bringing everything that you need to the pod
0: just leaves us to finish with a big big thank you to Melody Robinson, brilliant lady Uh, really really pleased to to have her on the pod, thank you to you Berth, I'm off to do a snow dance because it's not settling and I want to get the stage back out
2: (laughs) we've got so
1: much snow here
0: so much, see you next week Berth
1: Until next time.